Caution. All systems ready. Welcome back to another episode of Less Than 10, a small gang podcast. This is episode 55, and we have some special guests today. It's going to be me, uh, Tony Rest, CCP Aurora, say hi. Hello, hello. CCP Rattati. Hello. And uh, Stitch Caneland, who helps us moderate the Discord and is notorious for small gang PvP and also um posting quality reddit posts aurora and Ratati, you guys want to go through and just give us a like a brief overview of what your what your ccp job is uh sure i'm happy to start um you guys have talked to me before so uh, some of the listeners will probably be familiar with me um i am ccp aurora i was originally on the community team but i've recently just moved over to the game design department so I'm in the process of kind of navigating that transition, learning the new role. Although, to be honest, there's been relatively little learning and I've just kind of started doing stuff. But uh, yeah, I can I can give more <laughs> more details on that later. Oh. And Ratati, how about you? Yep. Uh, I'm director of product. I'm very happy to get Aurora over into the game design department onto uh, uh, a new team in Living Universe. And uh, yeah, I'm responsible for for executing uh, or getting player value delivered uh, from vision into execution. So I I, I uh, kind of big picture. Yeah, I'm between big, super big picture and an actual day to day execution. But I also um, am responsible for monitoring both quality and uh, I would say value delivery to players uh, with both monitoring post-launch and, and reiterating on, on, uh, on, on feedback and data. Very cool. And Aurora, what, is, what does game design mean? Are you like building mechanical things? Are you designing systems? Where does that fall? Those, those can both be under the game design category. Um, at the moment, I'm still sort of trying to figure out exactly what my place is. I've been shadowing CCP Rise, who you guys have talked to you a number of times. Um, so a lot of the things that I'm working on are kind of in the realm of ship balance, gameplay systems, things like SAV, Citadels, uh, ship balance changes, all of that sort of thing is kind of the stuff it looks like I'm working on. Um, but the team that I'm working on is cross-functional and it handles quite a bit more than that. Uh, so we also do uh, the ecosystem team is on in the same segment uh, as as this stuff, uh, and I'm working pretty closely. I've got some additional work that I'm doing with uh, CCP Psych, uh, kind of looking into various ecosystem stuff as well. Awesome. Okay. Cool. That's that's something that um, has been true. You know, at least it seems to have been true from an outside perspective for a while that a lot of the CCP development people, you know, no no one has a really like hard definition or limit 
on what they do. People move around between teams and, you know, different things get moved around. Yeah, you have to be pretty flexible as, you know, design goals change and what what the game needs, to, uh, really needs changes. Um, it's just kind of about taking a, a large, a, a good picture of the overall ecosystem and making changes that, you know, accomplish your goals without damaging other things and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, cool. Um, Stitch, you can start us off with like, we usually go through, you know, kind of what we've been up to in EVE lately, if anything. Um, yeah, for what sure. Have you, what have you been doing? Um, so I've been doing a lot of uh, <laughs> blasphemous things with Tech 2 Minmatar, like making armor vagabonds, um, desperately trying to make them work. Uh, I've had a couple good fights with them, and now I'm on a an armor mutant, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but right now I'm mainly just like trying to figure out, trying to find new things to do with old fits or old ships and uh, just you know keep things fresh. Nice. Um, Aurora, have you been playing much? Uh, last two weeks have been a bit busy for me, but I have been playing quite a bit. I have moved fr- into an alliance uh, over this past year, which is Untrained Alliance. It's mostly Australians. Uh, they're a super fun bunch to play with. Uh, we kind of, my, our, my little corporation makes up the, the EU part of this. And we live in a C2 with no static. So most of our, our gameplay is like small game, game rolling, uh, roaming out of the hole. Nice. Ritati, I actually don't know. Do you, do you play a lot? Do you, what do you do? I work too much to play anything really. Um, I monitor what players are doing uh, through through various channels, but I I tend to focus my play sessions on 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 actionable things or play testing features that we're actually working on. Uh, so I really don't have any time to to uh, do anything else and uh, getting a new puppy. So I have zero time in the day uh, between wiping piss puddles and uh, stuff like that. So it's a it's a, a tough time to, to squeeze anything in. I don't play anything casually anymore, but I was heavily playing Warzone 18 months ago. But yep. I think that's the last time when I actually really played day, day over day. However, uh, Elden Ring came out yesterday, so that's something that I'm going to have so to take, take a look at. I've definitely been... Uh... Keep an eye on that. Um, I've been, I, I know the, the work feelings the last couple of weeks, really since our last recording, I've just been um, pretty busy uh, with work and things. So I haven't done anything very exciting, though I think probably later today I will jump in on some of this uh, Battleship Proving Grounds action that's happening right now. Today when we're recording this, not when you guys are listening to it. um though i have been the other thing the eve related thing that i have been doing is spending um many many hours with pytha and spreadsheets because the anger games is coming up um i guess registration is now closed and they're sorting out all the feeder brackets and all that um and i think aurora you said you're also participating yes uh my my alliance really wanted me to help 
uh, help them like show them how to run a team since it was something that I had done before. And so um, it's a it's a little bit weird because I'm also the person who does all of the setup and server management and all the pre-programming and stuff to make that happen. So uh, the plan at the moment is I'm working on finishing up all of the setup this week. And then I'm kind of training up other people for the general maintenance of it, um, just to keep things running. And then I'm just going to effectively hand swift my keys so that I can run the team uh, once Thunderdome opens. All right. Well, you heard it here first. If you have problems with Thunderdome, ping CCP Swift. Yes, don't poke me. I won't be. I'll, I'll be able to restart the server, but I won't be able to get in and check accounts. Who's taking over? I, I don't even know. Nobody's nobody's taking over. This is temporary for the purpose of of my being able to participate a little oh, bit cool. with cool, the community. Cool. <laughs> gotcha. So you're not trying to do both sides at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And that way, there's no there's no like, um, I can I can have Swift vouch for me that I don't have access, and there's you know nobody can tinfoil about me like looking at people's comps or something on on uh, Thunderdome. No collusion, as it were. I think there's an opportunity to to fold more into into the narrative around these, like um, on the event slash um, kind of tournament um, themed event, uh, gala hunt, all these things. I think there's. I, I think we can do even even more on tying it all together. And I think uh, it's been really cool to monitor, for example, how how that uh, event is folded into compression, This uh, the, the scientists being hijacked, et cetera. So I think like all of these tools, I think I'd like to, to work more on that, uh, like the tournament itself. Like I think we can do more, uh, not more treat thematic it as integration. A, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. Less, not treat it as a, and also thing, but it's, it's integrated well. If, if you guys have interesting ideas on ways that we can bring the tournament to closer to, you know, day-to-day -day life on Tranquility, I'm always, always happy. You, to you are now in the, in the unenviable position of, of maybe being able to, to affect that. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, I, you know, I think a lot of people had a lot of fun with the Alliance tournament and hopefully we're going to have a lot of fun with the anger games as well. Um, I think the first AT ship just died a day or two ago. It did indeed. Yep, a Raiju. Yeah, got uh, got got snatched on a wormhole that he was trying to jump through. That got rolled in his face. Beautifully executed. Yes, um, the boogeyman is out there. <laughs> And he and he just showed how scary he can be. I think with that. Yeah, that was uh, very coordinated. Um, and uh, if if I if I were the type of pilot who flies around at AT ships, I would be, you know, maybe maybe thinking about docking that up for a minute. But I guess we'll see. Yeah, I I almost was. My alliance, some some people pitched together to try to buy me a Raju for. I was like, thanks for putting on the tournament. Um, but after a chat with IA, I, where I was like, can I accept this? They're like, nah. Mm, so yeah. I, had to, I had to unfortunately give it back. Um, so I will I will probably never fly a ship that expensive, personally. I'm always too space poor. Yeah, it's a big, uh, you know, it's a, I'm sure it's a feeling. How much is I have, it? Uh, they're selling for... $150 billion. 
more more than that now. That was the like the price they were at for a while, but the the Raiju specifically, there seems to be more demand than supply, so it's been creeping up from there. But yeah, it's a lot of ISK. I've been admiring uh, the 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 rocket Raiju antics that have been going on. People people have, some people are flying them with the you know light missiles and damps as they you know seem to be designed towards, but some other people have been uh, just rolling them out in Nullsec with rockets and uh, getting some pretty impressive kills with them. That makes yeah. me really happy because it's also a riskier move. Yeah, it is. There's some. Uh, I'm sure you saw us in the AT Discord some some images of grids that people are fighting on in these things that are pretty sketch. Yeah, okay. and there's there um, the rocket Raiju seems to be a lot more flexible, uh, and also I've seen a few fits where they're doing like really long range rockets, so they're almost like light missiles. But then if something gets close to you, you have the option to actually do. A lot of damage up close as well. Yeah, I've seen seen a couple where they're dual propped and things like that. So you have a lot of a lot of tools. I've seen some interesting fits for people that are trying to counter counter the ship when when it shows up. Uh, there was what was that Serb fit that I think I'm remembering? Oh, the the 500 mn. Yeah, that one. yeah, yeah. Because the Raiju is just too fast to keep up with for a cruiser, generally speaking. Yep. Well, hopefully more people will fly those. I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing a little more out of people using the laylaps. I think there are a couple people are using them, but um, I think people are a little, yeah, people are wary because it's, you know, the Raiju, you can pretty, you know, you have to, you have to do it on purpose, but you can pretty easily get it in a real short align and, and things like that that make it a little safer to use. Um, the other semi-current events topic that I wanted to touch on just for a minute, um, especially since I don't know how much you're involved uh, with Pochvin Rattati, but it seems like the last, I don't know, couple of weeks and months, there's been a lot more large group activity there than there used to be. I don't know. Have you guys noticed that at all? Yeah, we've been we've been monitoring Pochman and um, immediately following the invasion and and uh, like the result, uh, we just really wanted to monitor how it would pan out. Um, but there was a definite division around Pochman, which was not not necessarily like uh, you know chiseled in stone, but we wanted to. It, it's kind of a uh, first step into carving out space with different rules and different gameplay styles. So we always wanted Pochvin to be um, a place where we could test out theories or kind of let, see where players would take it if we limited the the tools of engagement or or rules uh, rules of engagement and their tools. So uh, not being able to build s- structures. Was one way to, to kind of say like a, how do how would players in nullsec behave without being able to build like what what, what changes how 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 does it <clears throat> change and same thing with with uh, just the use of of ships and ship classes um, 
And this is all part of the kind of a grander scheme. We've talked about it for some time is, is to, to make space more unique and more different. Uh, so areas are not all the same. Uh, distance matters and geography matters. And uh, we're very happy with how it's going on today because it, it kind of shows that there's different uh, behaviors that, that kind of spawn out of different limitations. So I think the, the, uh, the interesting here thing here is that we added new resources or we had like, a, for example, the minerals, we had all of the, all of the old minerals. We didn't use the high sec, low sec, null sec split. So Botchman mm-hmm. actually has a, a unique set of, you can access all of the ore there. That was a specific target for us to, to test. Um, and so on and so on. So I, I think there's a, uh, it, it's working within that philosophy. Um, and now with the standings changes and how it, how we improved access to it, uh, we're, we're very happy with what's happening because it's what players want to do with the tools that they have. We like haven't really driven anything or added any re- rewards to it. We just opened it up a bit. Um, the original vision had definitely been more kind of thinking or designing um, with standings being more important and players who would take advantage of that would kind of have this space for their own and they'd build a habitat kind of like wormholes, like rollers and and, and people who know how to live there have a have a kind mm-hmm. of a home base advantage. Um, but I think it, it was just like a, a too tough to get into. Um, so I think it, it's it's working well and we're very happy with with the okay. engagement. Yeah, it seems like the you know the the standings change in particular definitely drove um, some of the stuff that's been happening recently. Like, uh, you know, wrote Capel has been living there for a while, um, and they did the standings grind, and we're using that to their advantage. But then, as soon as the gates were unlocked, now fraternity can actually come in because they can fill them in, in and end up in random systems, but all group up and use their larger numbers. So we're ending up back in a dynamic more like NullSec where size matters. And since then, since they demonstrated that that's possible, uh, P-Horde, I think it is, has been, we'll just, you know, if someone fights their ratting fleets, they'll just ping the whole alliance and filament in, you know, 300 people and just clear the triangle. But we're also open to to changing some of these things we have been changing how filaments work mm-hmm. and um if if that is something we want to to affect if we if we want to control that behavior i think there's uh, if there's a case to be made uh we're ready to listen um it it was meant to to be non-conquerable uh but if it's conquerable just through rage pinging and filamenting then it, it's kind of not the the purpose of it but yeah, we're also okay with with seeing how how uh, these different entities react to that. Yeah, so of course, this is to move in on frat against them. Like we don't want to step in immediately if if someone's losing. Of but, course, these are all pretty pretty recent developments, um, and I'm not suggesting that like you should you should react instantly to everything or anything. Um, I know it's you know you see how it plays out. It seems like, it seems like so, so far, it seems like the combination of the sort of ease of of filamenting in, 
plus and out again allows you know allows these groups to to move in and out with a limited amount of um of commitment i guess because they can filament in do their thing and then immediately filament back out to high sec or wherever and go back to whatever they were doing before um since the standings are are no longer controlling gates it makes it makes that movement possible whether or not that's a good thing, I guess we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Yep, sounds like it. Uh, but we we have there's a way more pressure before the the changes. People wanted to get in and kind of fix the watchman situation, seagulling and all that stuff. So I think we're in a place where we don't need to do that anymore. It, there's lower hang uh, lower hang fruit to fix at the moment. So we're kind of okay with this. I think a very interesting thought that we've been discussing is 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 there a way to actually build structures again in Potsman? Like, what would be a path to that? Is that interesting or not interesting? Um, but we'd have to like it's not on the radar, but it's it, yeah. it's one of those things that we've discussed. It's how would you do it if you would do it? Yeah, and there's still plenty of structures left in Potsman. You know, there are Fortazars and Athenors and and things and you know, most of the systems still even. In some ways, Potvin is still in an unsettled environment that hasn't really, any any environment left for too long eventually gets optimized to the point where its, its states are kind of known. It kind of has like a resting wavelength, so to speak, mm -hmm. or like the natural flow of that environment. But Potvin hasn't really reached that yet. Um, and so it's kind of interesting to to watch it do that because while it's while that is still kind of in this unknown state you know it's also possible for people to i don't know maybe we'll start seeing people counter ping um to like uh hordes going in time to kill them hop in yeah you know longbows or whatever yeah it'll be interesting to see um i've said before i think it's because of the way potchfin was created from you know, kind of high and low sec space primarily. Uh, the proximity exit filaments are really interesting because they can take you to to a former connection from that system. I find myself wishing sometimes that there were more null systems, like more more of those connections would take you out to null sec. Like if you knew, oh, if I flew around to this side of Potvin, I can filament out into you know, outer ring or, you know, whatever, that could be interesting. But I think, I don't know, how, how do, how do you feel about the, the sort of mobility that those filaments allow in terms of people moving from, you know, from null sec, you can go from anywhere to Potchfin to high sec in, you know, the 30 minutes that it takes you the two filament timers. I, I said on Reddit and forums that I'm, not a fan of teleportation as a as a thing in in Eve. Um, it, it was added uh, to solve a a kind of an engagement problem. Like, how do you get into like combat fast? Um, but as as we saw it kind of progress through the game, we we saw the the wormhole filaments, for example. That that was a defect, really wasn't supposed to it kind of started breaking down the 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 laws of the universe like as they were meant to be and i think logistics and distance 
are super important, like geography, like these are part of that. Um, and uh, all travel, I think, needs to be meaningful. And we've seen MMOs break down when we start teleporting and not having to wait and just queuing up for raids. Like it, it starts to undermine the whole narrative, the fantasy, and the immersion of the game, and also uh, diminishes roles that players had that they liked and enjoyed. So that's why I don't like the philosophy of it. So I, I'm I'm happy to continue figuring out what's the right behavior here but yeah what you That's... describe isn't really um you know we have teleportation i've mentioned jump freighters like they are almost risk-free if you really really are careful and you you know do all the right things and check all the boxes so if you it's basically like if you're as careful as possible you can avoid risk which means that it doesn't really exist because you can actually just work it out. And then all we're doing is add, adding time and tedium to, to teleport, which I isn't really like gameplay, is it? Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what you said with filaments. Um, as someone who primarily roams, like just you know, freely roam. I don't take filaments or things like that. I, you know, I live in a wormhole and I have null sec and low sec exits I'll take, but I'll just roam around. I don't even put filaments in my ship like 99% of the time. Um, but a lot of people complain about space being empty and filaments kind of play into that when you can just use a filament to bypass every choke point or bypass every terrain. And then people who roam no longer roam organically they roam via filaments so for people like me who generally enjoy just you know taking a wormhole and going 20 jumps or whatever to see what i can find you end up not running into anyone because the people who typically would be out roaming are just now taking filaments so it kind of ends up being like a feedback loop where people complain about no content and not finding anyone but then those same people are taking filaments and avoiding all the terrain in the game, all the systems in the game, and then you know, then they'll complain that the game is empty or the systems are empty. Well, and the other side of that is my my favorite, uh, you know, point to harp on is that, you know, the the territory you're wandering through, you're roaming through, is also empty because jump bridge networks are extensive and have no cooldown and are you know have no significant cost really. Right. And so those people also aren't moving around in space. Right. And that, that, that kind of goes hand in hand with what uh, Rotati was mentioning uh, just in general about teleportation is, you know, anytime you can bypass terrain in the game, whether it's through a filament or through an Ansiplex, I think you're going to run into these situations where you just don't have normal organic engagements because everyone's avoiding them. They're avoiding choke points or avoiding gate camps. They can just, you know, bounce around to intercept people, you know, like in the case of Ansiblex, they can jump in front of a gang or a solo person, kind of trap them in, and, you know, maybe that person takes a filament to get out, and then there's no content for anyone, or they kill the person, they take, you know, two minutes to go back to their home system that's, you know, four jump bridges away, that's like two regions away, and go back to what they were doing. So right. it's just, you know... It just doesn't feel very good as an organically when you're roaming for everyone to be able to just either teleport away from you or teleport into you. 
Yeah, yeah, you, you, you need to go ahead. You need to create uh, intercept points or or cooldowns or anything else that 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 allows someone to plan ahead and actually, um, you know, try to engage or 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 find a different solution. Like we don't need to be married to all of these things either. So I think travel may or may not be one of the, the, the big things that we, we tackle as a, as a major initiative, or we just try to, to kind of uh, smooth it out. But um, I don't think we, we've not solved it, but I think there's, it, it doesn't have to be completely like uh, the whole travel system doesn't have to be like late to waste and redone as as often in eve I think right and i mean there, there should definitely be some advantages obviously to owning sov and stuff like that and that should come with certain things um so it's not like i'm saying everything should be scrapped it's just like you mentioned it's something that should probably be tread carefully with but it, it's obviously that it is causing issues in this in the game yeah i, I think within your sov i think it's you should reap the rewards of owning it and, and maintaining it and upgrading it. And that's for you. Uh, but I think it, it, when it's crossing, for example, uh, you know, multiple sex or, or avoiding that travel, I think, because we are also trying to make sure that, that, that trade happens by like, that was the, the redis redistribution phase of, of minerals that high sec has their own things and low sec has their own things. So, we want to promote trade between regions, and then we can't also just uh, eliminate travel between regions. Like, it defeats the purpose. So I think Ansiplexes like make a lot of sense within, um, but it's it's these connect connection points that we need to kind of. Uh, well, take you say account. within your own space, but you know there are groups in the game that own three or four regions, and so their Ansiplex network allows travel over that kind of space. Sure, but it's also something that can be targeted and attacked. Yeah, if it can be, that's true. <laughs> um, but that that again, like you know, if if I Titan bridge a fleet into someone's space and hit their closest Ansiblex, and they take the Ansiblex to fight me, none of that creates actual traffic in space. You know. Yep, that's true. I think what. What we saw back back at the with the release of Citadel is we we kind of saw a massive shift in the way that traffic flows through Nullsack. So the with the um, iHubs kind of really centralizing anomalies and systems, which created like really dense routing pockets, there was less reason to travel. Combined with the Ansiblexes, kind of reducing the need for jumps uh, alongside of that, it it created a big shift, which I think it's something that we can we can look for in the future. Like, how can we how can we alter this this paradigm such that there's a little bit more activity? There's more reason for people to go places. Um, there's more more chances to jump a gate and make a mistake. More chances to meet other players. Um, yeah. More all of all of this sort of thing. It's yeah, I, I think we need, we need to add more. Mind. Yeah, I think we in you know in in the westerns, you you'd basically know that the trains would slow down in certain places. So that they could be hijacked by, by, uh, yeah, by thieves. So like those things like are simply adding tools for for 
for players to interact with it. So I think it's it's less about like wholesale surgery, but it's adding those kinds of interception points that are interesting and yeah. make sure that you know ansiplexes are maybe um, like just add more counterplay into these touch points. And I think that's what Aurora can 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 look at uh, in her new role is to to simply how can we add more counterplay and espionage and actually uh, make right. sure that you cannot plan yourself out of it. Like you can't be that sensible that you are literally not at risk unless you make a, a mistake. Jump traders do die for mm-hmm. sure, but <laughs> very seldomly. Like I think it's, it's uh, we don't, we haven't shared any numbers on it, but it's, it's very few annually that die. Yeah, usually when I see a jump freighter die, it's either a high sec gank or they did something really um, clever, like jumping to a free port in low sec. I feel attacked. All right, I yeah. think there's probably like a new or you know someone's learning the ropes, and then some unavoidable like attacks, and then pure mistakes that happen by veterans uh, alike. But I think those are the three three only yeah. times you can actually die. Well, of- to be fair, I did. I have in the last year killed two jump freighters that were just gating around Nelsec for reasons that are not clear to me. It does happen, apparently. The opening up new ways for people to make mistakes, I think, is a, a strangely valuable thing that people don't think about too often. And I think that's something to to always consider um, when we're looking at a design. Like, is there is there a way for someone to make a mistake here that would create interesting content? I'm not talking about about like simple things like putting the jump button next to the bridge button. I'm I'm talking about more more dynamic system stuff. Yes. But... Yeah. Yeah. Some some error. Some 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 approximations instead of like. Yeah, you want you want people to make it to have the potential to make a bad choice rather than to make a misclick. Correct. You want you want to give people choices to make, and then if they, you want to give people choices to make, and you want to give them choices to make in an environment where they don't have all of the information. It's those two things combined that allow people to make mistakes, or perhaps you know they can seek out pieces of the information, but they don't always have the whole picture. And then when those mistakes happen, that's when interesting stuff happens. Yep. What do you say about like, okay, I'll leave this uh, thought in your heads, uh, but we have NPC transportation in asset safety, whether you like it or not. And it it's basically the same thing. It, it teleports uh, goods across the universe for a price. Um, it would be pretty cool if those were actually like targetable in some way um, that the the risk of asset safety would happen through NPC ships actually hauling the cargo, which would be very interesting. Uh, um, but crazy. but <laughs> maybe if maybe if that's a paradigm and this is just like a you know a crazy what if, but what if you could set up convoy npc convoys just by saying like move this cargo for me from here to here um this will be infinitely useful for new players who just need to collect they they made the mistake of having stored stuff like in 17 stations while they're doing missions and stuff like that now they have no way to aggregate all their inventory and 
they don't know where their battleship is that they saved off for. Like there's a lot of new player stuff that that kind of is in that traffic problem or travel problem and and collecting. So I've I've been I've I've thought a lot about like is there a slow mail version, like or snail mail I meant version of 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 life where you can actually just ask NPCs to to haul something for you and and they're in space that you, you could actually attack them so it wouldn't be risk free but um, yeah that's I think that, that's that's been in my head for like a few years but I'm not gonna it's not happening it's just a, a thing to consider yeah 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 that's a thought I think people might feel a lack of agency if their stuff was attacked in NPC transit. Um, that it would be their choice, great, though. Like they would yeah, true. They're taking the risk. Yeah. What I really want... Here's, here's, here's my crazy idea for today. I want an anchorable that I can set up in a system that reroutes from the nearest jump bridge. So people who try to jump to the jump bridge next door land on my anchorable. That's that's super evil. I yes, I want that. Kind of an entertaining that. idea, at least. And maybe you know, like make it a beacon and system, so it's you know everyone can find it. You can't just like set a bunch of them up in inconvenient places, and no, everyone has to like hunt around and and be annoyed. But like a way a way to to intrude on the normal traffic pattern without spending twenty minutes reinforcing a jump bridge. Which is not super exciting gameplay. <laughs> that that no, everyone's going to get a ping about that you're shooting the jump bridge. Yeah, I, I I like it. It it's similar to the AFK deployable. Like it's in your hands to disrupt other people. So it's yeah. a, a play counterplay thing, and that's that's where we've been spending a lot of time in in the deployable space on on creating counterplay, uh, debuffing things, uh, reducing. Uh, Basically, having a pre-engagement kind of uh, phase for, for, for example, structure conflict. I'd, I'd love to explore more on that side. But what you basically meant with that thing is, like, I'm going to twist the street sign. Like, I'm going to point, like, yeah. you know, safety yeah. left, and you're <laughs> you just turned around. Exactly. Not all too different from people lighting uh, bait signos. Yeah, bait. Bait, uh, jump, bait, and Silex jump beacons are hilarious, and I yeah. want to do that on a smaller, more temporary scale with jump bridges. Yeah, so it'd basically just be like a drag or a stop bubble, but for jump bridges. So instead of going yeah. to the bridge, it would take you wherever the beacon would be, or maybe you know limited to wherever the beacon can be placed. Yeah, yeah, I think that'd be entertaining. Um, all right, I know. Ritata, you said you don't have forever today, and we we planned this to talk about uh, this this road to FanFest announcement. Mm -hmm. um, there's a bunch of things in there that are interesting, but not uh, necessarily particularly relevant to our audience. Like there's some new NPE content about mining, which is cool, and we you know we like new players to have things that are engaging them. Crab beacons are getting updated. Uh, Pocos are getting easier to kill and harder to anchor, so people can't just like ninja drop them on you after you went through all the effort of killing the old one. Definitely some good stuff in there. There's a new graphics update, which I, you know, I'm always impressed by the Eve art department. They do amazing work. But we really wanted to talk to you guys about 
the resist changes, the battleship changes, Citadel updates, if you want to talk about that in any detail, because so far we don't really know a lot about it, um, and some stuff like that. So I know Stitch, uh, Stitch posted a giant post about battleships a while back. What are your what are your thoughts on this this implementation so far, Stitch? Uh, I mean, it's looking promising for everything that I've seen so far. Um, at least as far as like EHP numbers go and stuff like that. You know, there's a few outliers like Marauders and Blops, which may or may not have issues. It just kind of depends on how things play out. Um, the only thing I, I'm, uh, as I'm sure you're well aware of, Tim, that I uh, I don't like <laughs> is more whole tank buffs. Um, so the bulkhead bonuses are uh, interesting because now we're going to be seeing 700,000 EHP Megathrone Navy issues and Belgorns if they ever get cheaper again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, why... Is there was what was the thought behind adding those those bulkhead bonuses, CCP friends? Uh, the thought behind those was basically just pulling up uh, the various types of tank to kind of match the buffs that were happening in the other locations. So the goal was not to like make bulkheads stronger than you know the current paradigm. Like right. if, you, if you compare shield and armor to like the current bulkhead fits, it's just tank and EHP is going up on battleships. So you know pull yeah all the various options up maintaining parity yep maintaining parity was was the the reason okay. for that change it's it's definitely a situation where like my personal opinion would be a bulkhead fit battleship should never beat out like a moderately well piloted non hull tank battleship if that makes sense if that's the situation that we're seeing then like yeah we can we can totally pull it back but um, that was very much the reasoning behind that particular shift. So I'll, I'll kind of try to briefly go through my uh, my love-hate relationship with whole tanks. Because I, I use them too on my battleships, but I mainly use whole tanks on battleships because normally the primary tanking option for them just doesn't work very well. Like, for example, uh, the Navy Raven issue. Um, it, I mean... The Navy Raven works fine if you're using it in like a fleet format, but for like solo and stuff like that, like it just doesn't really synergize very well. But with like a whole tank, it works well. But you're still getting like, you know, only 120,000 HP. So it's not like it's a, a monster or anything with a whole tank. But for for me, who I'm, I'm primarily brawling, and, and when I say I'm brawling, like I am a no prop battleship with just like a micro jump drive and that's it. I'm not like a nightmare, you know, still going 2,000 meters a second and calling it brawling. Um, the, the primary things that you're going to run into are other whole tank battleships or whole tank fits in general, like the Brutix Navy issue with 200,000 EHP or, uh, whole tank Praxis or whole tank Gnosis, things like that. Things that are just, uh, hit point sponges that do nothing else except hold you down and prevent you from getting away. Um, so as a brawler dealing with whole tank, everything becomes very frustrating because they're not there to there's there's no way you can disrupt them like uh, a shield ship or an active armor ship you can newt them out you can turn off their hardeners they have resist holes things like that but a whole tank ship has no resist hole you can't turn them off 
they have tons of fittings, so they normally have a bunch of utility, whether it's newts or sensor damps or, or not sensor damps, uh, SIBOs or whatever, so you can't even like jam them. Uh, so it just becomes kind of frustrating when the main thing you're dealing with are just, you know, again, hit point smudges. So you, you, you engage them and you're just held down forever and there's nothing you can do about it except try and burn through them. Like I had a, a video I made a while ago where I had a, a 2000 DPS torpedo Bargus, which was one of my battleships I used to fly pretty frequently. And it still took me like a minute and a half to kill a Brutix Navy issue with 2000 DPS because it had 200,000 EHP. And then it took over uh, three minutes or four minutes to kill a 500,000 EHP Mega Navy issue uh, that was all whole tanked as well. Um, and then we have things like Abyssal DCUs, which buffed hull resistances. The original Surgical Strike buffed hull tanks by 10%. Um, you know, it's just a lot of little things that over time just makes hull tanks stronger and stronger and stronger. And as a brawler, again, it just gets frustrating. And that's like the main thing you're fighting against are other hull tanks. Yeah. And to be clear, you know, no one, no one thinks hull tanks are a great idea for ratting or anything like that. But when you see them where Stitch and I see them mainly is in the context of a response fleet to you being in someone's null space, because if you have a ship held down, you know, tackled and it can't warp away, probably it's going to die. Whatever kind of tank it is, if your gang has the DPS for it, um, but if it can warp away, there's no real downside to hull tanking because you can just warp back to a citadel, tether repairs you right back up, you come back. So, so as defense fleets mostly. Yes, and it's it's very common to see you know hull tanked combat probing gnosises that may or may not even fit guns, but their whole deal is to get on you at zero and scram you so that everyone else can then pile on. Just just for clarity's sake. Um... Gnosis's, Brutix Navy's, uh, Praxis's, none of these ships are getting the hull tank bonus. Yes, we're just talking about hull tanking in general. I did, I actually really appreciated that the Praxis isn't getting any of the battleship uh, extender and plate and et cetera buffs. Um, and obviously the other two are battle cruisers and it doesn't apply to them, but hull tanking in general is very, very strong in mm -hmm. certain circumstances. But it, but it sounds like you're and also, if you're a Balgorn, which has an absurd amount of hull hit points for reasons that are not clear. But it sounds like a creative designer could come up with a counterplay to this. Debuffs, armor-piercing ammo, like, stuff. Like, it, it feels that we have a, a we have loads of, of things that we could add into the universe to yeah. counter that with a, a fit. So, like, because you, yeah. see, you, you 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 pointed out like you're not you can't affect it, so why why not just explore something where you can actually debuff it or sure you know yeah know. if you had ammo that did bonus damage only in hull or something like that that would you know I would certainly bring that and use it. It does right. sound like a place where they're like just just this change alone. Um, it, it sounds like a place where it's definitely a thing that's missing some some counterplay. Like I agree that it's a little frustrating when when the ships are hull tanked. Um, but it's also something that was mentioned, at least from I think from the Losa community, was to have these longer engagements. 
So I think there's also an audience that that likes this gameplay in a way to, that to have long 15 20 minute 30 minute like fights where it's just like duking it out right and and typically those in, those engagements are typically for like heavy armor brawling fleets where they have like logi and stuff like that and obviously whole tanks don't have logi and they're not really used in a fleet format um, it's just primarily like like you mentioned like we mentioned defense fleets and things like that where you'll run into like a a whole tanked Armageddon, um, you know, that's micro jump fit. So uh, it's less of an issue for me because, again, I'm primarily brawl, but like small gang, nano, like they're trying to find a range to like survive in uh, because of projection meta. And once they get to 100 kilometers, then they got to deal with like whole tanked Armageddon's micro jumping on top of them with, you know, bonus newts that have, you know, 280,000 HP or something. Uh, same thing back when Belgorns were 250 million. We were dealing with micro-jumping whole tank Belgorns that had 30-kilometer webs or more. Uh, so essentially, they were like 130-kilometer field of webs because they could micro-jump towards you. Um, and then you also had the same thing with Vargas. Now, thankfully, those are a lot more expensive now. So they're not being abused quite as much as they were in the past. Um, but it's, it's very easy for someone to find a whole tank ship. They can just not put guns on it and fill it with newts and kind of get the same effect. Um, you know, so it may not be a praxis anymore because, again, thankfully the, the bonuses aren't applying to the praxis, but nothing's stopping them from, you know, doing Armageddon's or, you know, even a Mega Throne or actually a better option would be a Dominix. Um, they can do a whole tank Dominix, have bonus drones, have a bunch of newts, and just kind of ping around a micro jump on top of people. So, it's again, it's not necessarily relating to the low set groups or wormhole groups that wanted fights to last longer because those are primarily about heavy armor brawls where they have logi and stuff like that compared to just general home defense whole tanks. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's nothing inherently wrong with finding a tool that works well, like a hull tank battleship and using it. Um, but you know, the, there doesn't, there isn't a specific counterplay to it aside from, you know, avoid it and eventually kill it. But you can't. There's nothing you can do to to accelerate that process if you make the right choices. If that makes sense. Yeah, and that's why I bring up debuffs, like a curse. You take double damage for 15 seconds, like those kinds of things that are. Yeah, I'd like to explore. Yeah, and and then another um, quick thing to mention, like we're talking about debuffs, is we could also change some of the penalties around on bulkheads where they reduce speed instead of agility or both, they reduce both speed and agility. So like, for example, the Brutix Navy issue, even if you max it out with bulkheads, can still go like 2K a second because you can put links on it, which then just negate all of the penalties on the, the bulkheads. Um, so if you add a speed debuff to that as well, then the Brutix needs to use both a agility link and a speed link, which then kind of digs into its, its you know, maximum amount of tank. That would be a fairly easy change. Um, I I will be happy to to look into that a bit more after this. Yeah. Um, so just to go back to what we were originally talking about with the the battleship changes, um, T two battleships are getting these bonuses as well, which I thought was interesting because Black Ops, you know, their their whole deal, especially since their last. Um, balance pass, which I think made them uh, much more interesting than they were before, and you know, kind of gave the different 
ships a little more specific roles, um, except for the panther, because no one loves the panther. Uh, and their their deal is kind of the like get in fast, hit really hard, and then get out again. And it's an interesting interesting to see them getting a big tanking bonus, I guess. Some of them, anyway. <laughs> well, <laughs> I it's it's a special ship. It's it it wasn't used in a cool way before. Kind of more like a gate opener than than a real combatant. Um, and we're just happy to to make them even better, like honestly, yeah. and have some staking power. Uh, I was a bit surprised by the Mara- Marauders myself. I, I thought it was mostly T1, like in the beginning of the project, it was mostly T1s. But I I think that's the only kind of like eyebrow for me when when it was rolled out. But I don't take um, I leave the the actual balancing to to obviously to rise and and, right. and now Aurora etc. So I I can't speak to it. But I, I felt like Marauders didn't need it, but it's fine, I guess. Yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how much of a an effect it has on marauders in particular, because most or many marauder fits don't fit buffer modules because they can rep so hard, or they fit one maybe. Yeah, um, so it's maybe so... just a wash because it really isn't affecting them. If there's like a new meta that that it's only marauders, like I, I think the universe can can deal with it. In in some ways, so I came in. I came into the design department after this was already planned. Um, I helped with the authoring, but that was about it. The my understanding, though, with regard to these changes, is very much that um, they're kind of leaning into them hard um, to try and really see just how much the meta can can start to shift towards battleships because it's something that a lot of players would really want to see. Um, and then that'll disrupt things for a little bit for a little while. There will be a lot of uncertainties, and that allows people to try new things and then you can always kind of iterate to pull things back as needed um, yeah if you run into some problematic edge cases yeah i mean the so with blobs i was thinking about it a while ago and or at least when it was proposed and initially i was kind of iffy on it um the main but then i was kind of thinking about it more and if if we're keeping everything in parity T1 has always generally been stronger than Blobs, at least as far as EHP goes. So if T1's getting an EHP buff, then the Blobs kind of need one too to, you know, again, maintain parity. Because again, the T1 battleships are always going to have more EHP than a Blobs battleship. And just just from like a base level. So if they're going to get even tankier, then Blobs are going to be even weaker against T1 battleships or just battleships in general. Because And in reality, that's kind of their main targets are other battleships. So them getting more HP uh, with the you know the roll bonus kind of makes sense because it keeps some kind of level or when that same dynamic as they were before with T1 or, or Navy and Pirate and all that. Uh, Marauders, again, kind of like uh, Rattati mentioned, is is um, we'll just have to see how it plays out. The only ones I really see as an issue is the Paladin um, and maybe the the Varger and. To a lesser extent, the Chronos, just because it could be a good blaster platform. But then on the same side of things, like if you look at specific use cases, like in wormholes, um, like I can see like a, a Varger Doctrine or a Paladin Doctrine doing really well to deal with the uh, the menace of wormholes right now, which are Nighthawks. 
uh, for like actual, you know, doctrines and stuff. So I think in the long term, at the minimum, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. And then if, you know, we find things where it's just OP, then uh, like was mentioned, then maybe they can just be iterated on and, and the problem children can be dealt with. Yeah, for sure. I think it um, it's sort of interesting to see how this will affect uh, Navy battleships because it feels like right now their primary advantage, you know, some of them get a little bit of special application or, you know, different slight variances from their, their T1 counterparts, but the, one of the big advantages they have is a built-in uh, EHP increase, built-in hit point increase in their you know, whatever they're designed to tank for mostly. Um, but this actually diminishes that difference a little bit. Is there a plan to do some, you know, further iteration on, on Navy battleships specifically? Uh, no active plans, but... I've, I've, I've been harboring a, a dream for some time. Okay. It, it, it's fine. Um, I've... Uh, We've always been trying to find a way to make make uh, any ships or any faction or navy ships more relevant in faction warfare, and I've always been a Rise and I have mostly been just like duking this out, like we're we're kind of what ifing, like uh, you know standing space bonuses, like con- some of the Concord ships, or you know they're better in faction warfare systems, like that's where it would be really cool if they i don't know again what if thing what if they get some kind of just like a a beacon boost from faction warfare Mm. uh, navy uh kind of uh beacons or deployables so that you could weaken them by blowing those things up or they're pretty good like really good when they're kind of in their home turf okay this is or sat bonuses like your standings like multiply or like you know, having all Blood Ritter, uh, or like not Blood Ritter, uh, and MR like uh, modules would give you a better bonus if you have higher. Like those kinds of things have always been very. It, it it's kind of like uh, the geography thing. Like, what if we can make some tools and rules of engagement different in areas and kind of uh, promote different types of of ships and and gameplay. So yeah, that's where it is. But like, it's it's nowhere yet. But we're looking for a a good opportunity to kind of tackle faction warfare um kind of low-hanging fruit improvements okay well and speaking of faction warfare um what i hear from a lot of people who have done and do faction warfare is that the way citadels negate system control uh doesn't feel great in faction warfare have we've seen now you know you you guys have talked about on other uh, platforms and in these announcements that citadels citadels are a you know getting attention, but so far not really any any actual details about what that means. And I was just curious if you know if that relationship with the faction warfare system and system control is part of that conversation. Um, we are embarking on a longer initiative which is meant to tackle some of the long-standing uh, things that or issues that arose from citadels way back when uh, that haven't really been addressed holistically one of those is the effect that they had on faction warfare uh, the, the thing that you mentioned uh, 
know, tether has always been a contentious thing. Yeah. Um, and I think rolling them out uh, across all security with the same rules in in each uh, security region was maybe like was definitely planned to be followed up on, like to have a bit separate uh, separate rules for high sec, low sec, etc. But the way we rolled it out and then kind of left it unchanged for that time um, has kind of built up these these issues separately. And one of the things that we want to do in the next couple of years is to is to slowly migrate uh, into a, into a better harmony between structures and and their surroundings, I would say. And faction warfare is definitely okay. a part of it. And high sex structures as well. All right. Well that's good to hear. Um I'm sure But otherwise on Citadel, sorry, like because I, I just wanted to I I I'm I don't want to speak on it because it's it it's both stuff that's in motion um and stuff that we'd like to kind of roll out uh with more fanfare so i i really i i we're embargoing some of the communications about this because we kind of want it to be a a surprise but a pleasant surprise but uh we have been tackling just kind of philosophically what's what's wrong with structures in the in the short term midterm and long term and there are some uh simplifications to to i think combat are probably the the ones that are are closest in time so okay. Their, their defensibility, for example. It is a very contentious topic, um, and so of course I understand wanting to, you know, control what information is is going out about it. Um, because if you said today maybe we'll remove tether tomorrow, there'll be three hundred Reddit posts about how both that is the perfect and worst solution. Uh, so, yeah. uh, change, yes. Yeah. Um, but it's it's good to hear that the faction warfare stuff is at least part of that conversation, and that you know it sounds it sounds like from the things I've been I've been reading and hearing that the issues that players are seeing are kind of aligning with what CCP is seeing as issues. So hopefully that'll all get sorted out in a way that is interesting and organic to the universe. I think that you guys will be pretty happy with what we have in store for this. Um... All I can really say, though, is that there is communication on the somewhat near horizon for FanFest as, as okay. this is that pre-FanFest. Uh, yes. Yes. This is all, you know, as, as described as the road to FanFest, I think people are expecting to see a lot of these changes either before FanFest or I think with, with Citadels at the very least, like discussed at FanFest um, or announced in more detail. A little which, bit of both. Yeah, which is great. Have stuff. It, it won't just be a single change, necessarily. I, I, I would yes. be surprised if this wound up being a single change. Of course. And I, you know, I certainly would uh, hope it's not a single change because the idea that, you know, just the idea of you getting, nailing it perfectly in one change is, I, I just don't think it's real. I think this is going to be a, a multi-step process that requires, you know, iteration on those steps as well. And, you know, hopefully we will we'll end up in a better place. I think it's the time right now, like we have space to, to also promote, promote violence. Like we, we have space for 
additional rewards and 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 putting minerals items that aren't available in some areas of space like uh back into space uh where we need them so i think um we built up this capacity to 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 uh you know do crazy and kind of more less foundational things but actually just you know fun and and exciting conflict driving things uh, as a part of a longer term plan so it it like rather than stirring the pot with with uh, kind of balanced meta changes like working into a, an, an overarching theme and i think that's something that we can all look forward to to stream more at fanfest excellent um the other there are two i guess two things in this um road to fanfest post that i also wanted to talk about the first is that just the idea of making you know, pirate and faction BPCs worth producing um, by adjusting, I assume, either their their inputs or the sources of those inputs to a place where it's affordable, which I think sounds great because I really like flying faction cruisers, but the current prices are, you know, it's kind of for the same price I can I can go up to a T2 or a battle cruiser or some other thing and get more for that money. Yep, they were unintended victims. Uh, they're they're literally being worked out at the moment. That's that is good to hear. Um, and then this the resist change. You know, I think it's going to be interesting to see that effect combined with the tank bonus change on battleships. That's going to have a dramatic effect on battleships. But the resist change applies to all ships, and it's been greeted with a lot of enthusiasm in our community because you know the higher resists. Um, and more tank, you know, when, when you're doing small gang, you, when you win fights, it's because you're leveraging, you know, the tools that you've brought into an advantage and the other ship being a little more tanky doesn't necessarily stop you from doing that. But when you're dying, it's because of Argers on grid or because, you know, you just with the surgical strike changes, it has felt a lot like there's a there's a real timer on how long you can stay on grid given the amount of projection that exists in the game right now. And so, moving, giving yourself more time on grid is more time for your opponents to make mistakes. It's for you to take advantage of, and I think that's going to feel good. I think it will feel good too. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to this. Uh, I think it it's this will be a really nice kind of middle ground uh, between the two sides that we had. Um, for those that don't remember, you know, it wasn't uncommon for someone to drop a uh, an almost permatanking Tengu uh, that would just kind of sit on the end dock or Marauders were incredibly strong. They would just, you know, super tank fleets. So we're not going fully back to what where it was. And those last few percentage points will help to open up a little bit of room in those areas. But I think that this will be, I, I think it'll be a, a location that feels good for those people that are really looking, you know, for the, that sort of longer uh, duration, slightly more tactical armor brawl feel. Great. Let's see, what else is in this update? We've got some compression, compression modules going on more ships. Um, you know, this is not going to affect me in the slightest because I don't, mine but 
there's some hope that it'll also help some of these economic bottlenecks for production since you will be able to compress gas now and moving gas around has been a, a bit of a thing. Uh, this might also have some additional impact on the prices that you're seeing as well, just because that gas is easier to move. Um, a lot of that gas, I think, has been being used locally. And so if that gas starts to make it to market a little bit more, like prices will shift on um, some of the traction stuff as well. Yeah, it seems like, you know, making this making stuff easier to move around both, you know, will potentially increase supply because people who wouldn't have harvested it because they didn't want to deal with the trouble of moving it now might. And then also just sort of uh, more free movement in that market will lower prices because more resources, it's easier to to move them around and get them where you want them. So yeah, looking forward to seeing how that affects, you know, prices across the board um, and in this detail. This is a personal wish list item, but I really wish that if you killed a ship that had compressed gas in its cargo hold, it would do like AOE damage. Just explode. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, you know, that'd be interesting. You get a whole new fleet tactic of warping 300 Ibises full of compressed gas into the other fleet yeah. and waiting for someone to smart bomb. Probably not going to happen, but it would be hilarious. Used by the Romans, I think. Yep. Yeah, I mean, overall, the, the, the changes that are coming up in this uh, Road to FanFest, like, there's a lot of levers being pulled, and I think it's really interesting because, you know, not only do you have things like gas compression and the compression changes in general, you have big battleship changes, you have resistance changes, BPC changes. So a lot of things are all going to start moving at the same time, um, which is good because EVE has been kind of stagnant for a while, uh, at least in regards to like meta and things like that. So I think the next, whenever this launches and afterwards, it'd be really interesting just to watch how things kind of play out. Um, whether they're, you know, we find things that are OP or not, you know, it's, it's not a huge deal as long as they get iterated on um, because having OP things can be good for the game to an extent because people want to try and counter it. They'll create new doctrines and things like that. So uh, I'm kind of excited for all these changes to see uh, just kind of what comes out of it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, as someone who really likes the theory crafting and ship fitting and stuff, any change, you know, to a, to a ship meta allows more of that and gives an advantage to the people who want to spend their time on that. And that feels good. Um, so I know Ritati's got to run here really shortly. Just before uh, you do, um, I just wanted to skip down a little bit and say, you know, FanFest is coming. There's going to be all these interesting announcements. I'm going. Um, do you have any, before you go, any thoughts about FanFest specifically you want to share with everyone? No, I think there's just such pent up excitement in in the the dev team and there's everyone at, in Reykjavik it's been too long and um if it, like all the restrictions are out and in, in uh, Reykjavik so i think uh it's going to be completely different all bars are open uh we're kind of i i think yeah just last night all all rules were basically taken off there is no uh, no restrictions anywhere on anything. So we're very happy about that. Um, 
there's going to be some outbreak of 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 more um, COVID, but it it's being reasonably taken care of here. You just don't go to work, and you kind of eat, but all the PCR testing and and all these limitations are out. So we're very psyched about that, um, and it also just feels like there's a a super good opportunity to to talk about the future, like a, a new dawn in Eve, um, and all of the interesting things that we want to uh, want to work on, um, both on the ecosystem, but also on on these major topics like uh, faction warfare, all that stuff, uh, structures, these longstanding things that people have talked about. We're finding a place to to both fix and talk about them. Um, and just like have a crazy load of fun over the next <laughs> over that weekend, just partying and drinking and and having something to do. I think we've been holed up here. Uh, it's January now, uh, January February. It's been very dark, and we're just coming out of our caves. And I think, yeah, we're in Iceland. We say like when the cows go out in spring, and we're we're in that space at the moment. Awesome. It's. I think it's going to be a really good time. I'm definitely looking so forward too. to it. This will actually be my first fan fest. Um, and now that now that I've moved over to the design department, I've been been privy to a lot of like very exciting conversations that is making this like physically painful to not be able to tell you some things about. So <laughs> I think I think that'll be a, a really great moment for me to release some of that pent up excitement um, when we have more stuff that we can talk to you about. Awesome. Um, well, uh, I don't want to keep you, Ritati, if you've got to go. Thank you for joining us. Um, I just have a couple more things I want to mention real quick before we wrap up. But uh, if you have a, a shout out you want to throw out there before you go, go for it. Otherwise, I'm sure that we'll be hearing from you again soon. Yeah, I uh, shout out to Stitch for, for being a. Uh contributor a a sane reasonable contributor on on the on the forums um we're always looking out for stuff like that uh both swift and and uh, aurora and, and and really everyone myself i'm a i'm a forum lurker um it's all very appreciated uh, i'll use one one shout out to uh to Arendis and dunk dinkle who have been kind of talking to me on the side uh, about the kind of positive changes in the economy and kind of pointing out what's still remaining to fix, but it, it's all it's all good and it's all uh, going in the right way, I think. So, shout out to them. Excellent. Good feedback is important. All right. Um, I did want to mention a couple other things really quick. Uh, CCP is looking for presenters and CCP TV hosts for during FanFest. Uh, there's a forum post. I will put a link to it with this, this post. Um, I think applications are open till March 10th, so you've got a little time left to apply to that. Um, and that's, you know, I think that'll be a lot of fun for the people involved. And um, it'll be you know, both present, potentially presenting at FanFest and also uh, being on the CCP TV channel, doing hosting duties and sort of interstitial stuff between those presentations. 
Um, so if you're into streaming, if you're into, you know, talking about and to CCP, that would be great. I'm looking forward to Stitch's presentation on why the Munin should be a missile ship. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Are you are you going to FanFest, do you think? Probably not this year. I was I was really considering it, but I just got too many things going on on my side at the moment. Understandable. All right. Um, let's see. What else? It's Friendship Week this week, so there's a whole bunch of Eve partners streaming on CCP's channel. Um, so there's a ton of ton of that content out there. Um, by the time this gets published, we'll be a couple of days into it probably, but they'll still be ongoing. And then I just wanted to mention something that came out, um, both mentioned the community beat, which continues to get posted. Uh, it's weekly, right? Or uh, bi-weekly. Bi-weekly. Um, that just is like a, a little summary of like people doing things in the community. And the last one from February 18th uh, featured a full-scale Nagelfar that someone built in Space Engineers. Um, and if you haven't watched that video, I recommend it. It's quite something to see. It is a super impressive build, I, I will admit. It's cool. All right. Um, unless either of you has anything you want to go back to, I think we're going to wrap up. Um, I guess the only, only quick thing, because I was thinking about it after I mentioned it when we were talking about... Uh, uh, hull tanks, at least the speed penalty on bulkheads, uh, just to add on to it, uh, or consider anyway, uh, swapping the penalty on armor rigs to being a, uh, agility penalty instead of a speed penalty and then put the speed penalty on hull tanking stuff. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yes. A, a, a change I have, I I, I can't make an immediate comment. Um, this is the sort of thing that involves a lot of spreadsheets, but it sounds interesting. So I'm happy, to, happy to talk to you more about this off, offline. Yeah. Um, you know, you're always welcome in our balanced discussion channel, which is like the most moderated and calm channel in this Discord. <laughs> you you know I'm lurking in there most of the time. I, I do, I do. All right. Um, Aurora, shout outs? Uh, shout out to the organizers for Anger Games. Looks like it's going to be a really cool event. They had to take a whole lot of heat for uh, getting too much excitement and then changing the original format. Uh, I, Having organized these myself, I know that that is a stressful experience. Uh, so uh, I look forward to it. I think it'll be really cool. Yeah, I think they've, they've landed in a pretty good uh, spot format-wise. I think it's going to be fun. Stitch, how about you? I would just say shout out to CCP and, you know, for these good changes and listening to some of the feedback from everyone. Uh, and then, you know, just the community in general for when they're uh, tame, having, you know, good conversations and discussions on things. Yes, um, it can be really nice. I'm going to shout out. Uh, let's see. You did the Anger Games already. so. I'm going to shout out everyone who is running around in these AT ships because I don't know if I would have the balls, frankly. And it's fun for the rest of us to see the things that they can do, even if we don't own them and wouldn't fly them if we did. So 
going out there and losing these things. You know, I mean, you know, it's and on the one hand, it's space pixels, but on the other hand, you know, they're they're rare and that's cool. I would second that. Those are the first things that I ever put into the game, uh, so it's just fun to see them getting used. I had a lot of very interesting discussions while building them, where it's basically like, do you think this is too strong? And the response they got was, they're alliance tournament ships, we don't care about balancing them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's a limited number, and and the whole point is for them to be really strong. Because if they're, you know, if it was like a mild upgrade, it just, you know, they would just be hangar trophies, I think. It's the, the power that gets them out on out on grids. Yeah, and that was something that I was definitely aiming for here. Um, since we weren't allowing them in the tournament, just try to encourage seeing them in space. For sure. Um, all right. Well, I think that's going to be it for today. Uh, which of you wants to do the, the uh, wrap-up? I screwed it up last time. I can try to redeem myself this time. All right. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, it's not the size of your gang. It's how you use it. Excellent.